0: Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because I will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tons of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the sinful the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us des- desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to go carry on your good intention. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives.
1: All right. Good morning, Christ Church. Grace and peace to you. I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Church, and we are on week four of trying to understand, trying to know the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I wanted to start with something uh, a little different. It's called a parable. Uh, It's something that Jesus often used. It's basically a really short story that conveys tremendous meaning and depth. Listen as I share with you a modern-day parable. There once was a goat named Gordy. He looked like a goat... Ate like a goat, and he fought and played like a goat. One day a shepherd showed up and said, Gordy, you're now my sheep. Well, from that day on, whenever the sheep was about to eat like a goat, or fight like a goat, or think like a goat, a small and yet powerful persistent voice reminded him, Remember, you're a sheep. So... Gordy stopped doing goat things. He started doing sheep things. And when he stopped doing goat things and started doing sheep things, he stopped looking like a goat and started looking like a sheep. Well, that made perfectly good sense, since, after all, he was indeed a sheep. My hope is that you are going to be really confused right now. Come back and listen to this sermon later in the week, and it will make a lot more sense... And you'll get a chance to rehear this message. Today we are going to be looking at and talking about the transformative power of the Spirit as we grow in our understanding of the Spirit, as we grow in our understanding that we are indeed sheep in Christ's pasture, as we grow in our spiritual maturity as led by the Holy Spirit. First thing, I hope you know, I hope you understand this. If you're in the room today or following along online, God loves you. He claims you. You are a sheep. All right, let's dive in. Galatians 5 is where we're going to start. We're going to refer to this verse. If you want to bring it up on your Bible app, highlight this one, circle this one, because this is such a great summary verse for our series as a whole. Galatians 5.25 says this, since we are living by the Spirit, that is to say, since we have been given new life in the Spirit, since the Spirit has come to us and claimed us and made us holy, adopted us into God's family and pre- presented a new future in front of us, since we now live according to and by the power of the Holy Spirit, let us Follow the Spirit's leading, then, in every part of our lives. Here's a quick summary of where we've been so far. First off, the first week we learned the Holy Spirit is a person. It is someone who comes alongside of you. It's someone that you are in relationship with, that you can pray to and pray with. The Holy Spirit... Uh, it's purpose, its, it's motivation, the reason it rolls out of bed in the morning, it's calling, is to make people holy. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It makes people holy. To be holy is to be set aside and to become part of God's family. To be distinguished and called into and adopted as a child of the living God. That is what it means to be holy. A, a fancy word that we touched on in week two is sanctified. We're going to come back to that again today. The Holy Spirit is a person who makes people holy or sanctifies people setting them aside for God's purposes and preferred future last week we learned that when the Holy Spirit does that when the Holy Spirit sanctifies you and really claims you and adopts you into the family he imbues you with special gifts spiritual gifts for the purpose and for the reason of making other people holy he gives you gifts so that you can use and employ. employ those gifts so as to introduce the Holy Spirit to new people. How many of you discovered your spiritual gifts? How many of you know your spiritual gifts? All right, not too bad. Okay, fantastic. Look, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, go back, listen to last week's sermon from Pastor Bob, then go onto the website. It's right there. Unwrap your spiritual gifts, click on it, Find out what your spiritual gifts are. There's such joy and such uh, amazing fervor in trying to see when you discover what the Spirit has specifically given you, hardwired and gifted you, you can begin to use those gifts to introduce the Spirit to new people. We got the snug set up for those three laptops again. If you want to go hang out up there after, after church today and do that, otherwise later in the week, find out your spiritual gifts so that you can use them and employ them and apply them into your life. And actually, application, applying, is a lot of what we have to talk about today. Because when the Holy Spirit claims us, when the Holy Spirit makes us holy, we then have the task and the challenge, the invitation. To let that reality dictate, as the scripture said in Galatians 5, lead us in every part of our lives. When you become holy, when you choose to see and understand what God has done and is doing in this world, you then have the opportunity to apply that into your life. There's a fancy way of describing this, it's called spiritual maturity. Is it fair to say that a lot of us, we like the understanding, we like the idea of growing in our maturity? If you're not a Christian, you should know that Christians, we we often desire to grow in our Christian faith and in our Christian walk. Uh, But even in a secular context, maturity is something that is appreciated. It's something that's understood. When you're mature, you have a, a deeper sense of knowledge and understanding. The same thing applies in your Christian faith. You grow in spiritual maturity. You grow and increase in spiritual maturity. And the way that you do that, the way that you grow deeper in faith, is by applying your holiness into every part of your life. Another way of saying it is this. Spiritual maturity is sanctification Application. Everybody say sanctification. sanctification. Everybody say application. application. Fantastic. Now, if you're using the half sheet, you got to write on there. I thought of I thought of it too late. I was driving in this morning. I'm like sanctification, application. I can't wait to preach on this. In every situation, sanctification, application. In every situation. Sanctification, application in every situation is learning to understand how to apply the reality of your holiness, that you are part of God's family, into your life. So that means when you are sitting down with your spouse or your significant other and you're about to have a really heavy conversation that could move towards conflict and you know that it might be headed towards conflict, in the beginning of that conversation you had the chance and the opportunity to apply your holiness, your sanctification to that situation. Instead of entering the conversation from a position of I'm going to get what I want and this is going to end in conflict, that's okay with me, I'm ready, I'm loaded for bear, I'm ready to duke this out. Instead, you step back and you say, wait, wait, wait. I'm holy. I'm part of God's family. I'm His child. He loves me and He has forgiven me. Christ died on the cross for me. And because of that, I'm going to approach this conversation differently. Because of my holiness, I'm going to enter into this conversation with humility and kindness and gentleness. That is spiritual maturity. Sanctification. Application in every situation. You can indeed grow in your maturity. The Bible talks about this. It exhorts us to live a life that reflects our holiness, where our decision-making, where our choices convey the reality that we are holy. It says this in 2 Timothy, For God saved us. He made us holy. He claimed us, saved us. And then He calls us to live a holy life, a life that conveys and reflects the reality of that holiness to others says it this in First Peter, Don't slip back in your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. No, 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 no. You didn't know any better then. But now, now that you have been a part of God's family, you must be holy in everything you do. You're holy, so you now need to live in a way that reflects that holiness, just as God who chose you is holy. When you apply the reality of your holiness... Into situation after situation. And this is tough to start with if you've never done this before. It takes practice, it takes training, as we'll see in another scripture. But eventually you begin to grow and exhibit spiritual maturity. Maturity, the Bible itself actually invites us and encourages us to pursue. It says this it says, uh, this great analogy, this great analogy coming out of the book of Hebrews. Um, how many of you have had children before or have a baby right now or have kids? All right, so a lot of you know what it's like. When a baby first comes out, you can't sit down and give a baby a T-bone steak. I have a seven-month-old at home, and I, this verse has new meaning to me because I'm experiencing firsthand and understanding what, what the writer is trying to convey. It says this, When you first become a Christian, when, when you first discover and understand that God has made you holy, you're like babies who, who need milk, the good foundational stuff. You can't get to the solid food yet. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know yet how to do what is right. That is to say, when you first become a Christian, you are not mature. You are trying to, and at the point of beginning your growth... Beginning your maturity, right? And part of that maturity is understanding from now on what is right in a given situation. It goes on to say solid food, that is the really heavy, big, concentrated stuff, is for those who are mature. And you know that you're mature because mature people have been through training, They have grown and have experiences. They have been through training and have the skill now to recognize the difference between right and between wrong. They have now the ability, mature Christians, can enter a situation and see before them the choices. A right decision, a good God-honoring decision. And perhaps a decision that isn't so healthy or good for them. And a mature Christian, in that moment, with that decision in front of him, is going to apply their sanctification. They're going to say, look, I'm holy and a part of God's family. Therefore, which decision am I going to make? I'm going to choose what is right. And what is good. And what is God-honoring. I'm going to apply the reality of my holiness into this situation and decision and choice. Mature Christians discern the difference between right and wrong, and they willingly choose a God-honoring decision. They willingly choose the right thing because they are holy. Because that's who they are. They're holy people. Another way to describe this to you in my own life, I've I've experienced this in a bit of a different way, Uh, I'm a sir, my last name is Sir, I grew up in the household of Sir, I grew up under my parents, and so they raised us in such a way when I was an infant, and as I grew and matured, they poured into me uh, the character qualities that reflected our family. Our family had certain things that we did, certain decisions that we would choose to When we are in difficult circumstances or situations, we knew that as, as a family, we stood for these principles, these understandings. This is the kind of family that we are. I am, to this day, a sir. And every day when I would head off to school, it would be a common occurrence for mom and dad to say, Hey, have a great day, and remember, you're a sir. Like, that was a common phrase. Hey, have a great time going out with your buddies. Just remember, you're a sir. Hey, have a great time. Enjoy the weekend. Just remember, you are a sir, and you carry with you that identity into whatever decisions lay in front of you. I can remember this profoundly making sense to me before, just in a huge way, in the, the sixth grade. Do you guys remember the sixth grade? Most of us have blocked it out. We just have this gap in our memory of middle school. But I have one distinct memory that I can recall. You see, in sixth grade, when I was there at school, uh, word got out that one of the seventh grade guys had brought a dirty magazine to school. And you could go to a specific bathroom in the 7th grade and 6th grade wing. You know how sometimes they share? And so boys from all over the school were flooding to the bathroom in order to investigate this report. Now, uh, transparency, in my honesty, here you go, I was innocent and I just needed to really use the bathroom. So I had to go to the bathroom, didn't yet know what waited for me there. But by the time I showed up, there was literally a line going to a stall of middle school boys. Now, I didn't know what the line was for, but I figured I better get in line because... I'm a middle school boy, and there's got to be something good in that stall, at least something to admire and appreciate, you know? I don't know what it is yet, but it's got to be cool. There's a line, so I got in a line. And as the line kept going, I started learning, whoa, what awaits me in that stall? And I remember getting closer and closer and closer. And at the moment where I I was at a decision, I was the next one in line. I was the one on the other side of the bathroom stall door. And I remember standing there as a sixth grade boy, and a voice came into my mind. A voice spoke into my life and nudged me, reminded me. You know what the voice said? Hey, you know, don't you? Remember, you're a sir. And in that moment, I was reminded of my family and the character and the quality of life and all that I I, I had been given. And based on my identity as a sir, I stood there, I turned around, and I walked out without going into the stall. Doing that didn't make me holy. It didn't make me a sir. That action did not define me. What defined me were the words that my parents had spoken over me in the same way that what defines you are not your actions nor the actions that have been in your past. What defines you is an eternal God saying to you, claiming and speaking over you, you are my family, you are holy, you are my children and I set you aside and sanctify you for my purposes and plans. That is what Defines you. Learning to grow in your maturity is applying the words that your Heavenly Father has spoken over you into every situation. Sanctification, application in every situation. Now we have to be careful because sometimes it's easy to confuse being holy and acting holy. What happens is as you begin to take this seriously and as you begin to mature and apply holiness, your actions will reveal your holiness. And so people will look at you and say, wow, you seem a lot more holy. And you just need to say, no, I'm not any more holy. I'm just showing what I really am, which is holy to begin with. I'm not growing or increasing in holiness. You cannot Increase. You cannot grow holiness. You can grow maturity, but you cannot increase or become more a part of God's family. You just simply are God's child. You are a part of his family. What you can do is grow in how you live that out. Now, it's important to distinguish because throughout history, people have gotten really confused on this. On this specific uh, topic and problem, they've gotten the cart before the horse. The problem goes all the way back to a guy named Abraham. Do you guys remember Abraham from the Bible? Father Abraham had many sons. Famous guy from the Bible. That God comes to and says, Abraham, I am going to I make you holy, Abraham, and I'm going to make your family holy, Abraham. Your family will be my family, and your descendants will be my children. So Abraham, through you, I'm going to bring promise and hope and holiness into this world. And so he. Claimed Abraham. Abraham had descendants. He had children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And eventually down the line, he had a, a descendant named Moses. You ever hear of Moses before? Okay. God comes to Moses. And says, Moses, you are holy, and in order that other nations and other families would understand that you are holy, that you're mine, I want you to live a certain way. And so here are some rules, guidelines, these are things that I want you to to, to do. These are decisions that I've already made for you that will help define and reveal your holiness. You are holy, this is just going to show it. And those are called the ten commandments. And eventually those ten commandments grow and get founded upon to 613 different laws in the Jewish custom and Jewish tradition. And what happens is the people became so obsessed with following the laws, following the rules, that they began to swap rules for relationship. They began to think that maybe what really makes us holy is how we live and the actions that we do and that we can get more holy if we follow more laws. And in the process, they forgot the God that made them holy. They began to think that actions make you holy instead of an eternal holy ghost. And it got really screwy and really bad. So much so that when Jesus came, He came to blow all that up. He gets in the face of the religious teachers at the time that had just totally bought into this. They were called Pharisees. You ever hear of a Pharisee before? They're in the Bible. The Pharisees believed that they could actually increase or become more holy by what they did, by their actions. And in doing so, they exchanged the rules and regulations for a relationship with the holy God that makes them holy. This is so, so important. To this day, this is still a reality in many Christian churches. If you have come against this before, I apologize. I am sorry. If you have had people layer on you rules and regulations and taken your focus off of the eternal God, I am sorry. God makes you holy, He is the one that has claimed you through His Son, Jesus Christ. By the words and power and working of the Holy Spirit, he's made you part of his family. Your actions reveal that and share that with the world. We cannot and must not, as a people, layer rules over it. Jesus gets in the face of the Pharisees and he says, they crush people with their unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Far, far different than what we discover as Christians, what Christ did, and what the writers of the New Testament, the writers of the latter part of the Bible. There's one guy named Paul who really gets this. He writes in the book of Ephesians. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved. Grace is a fancy way, another way of saying gift, free gift. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works. You can't work your way into God's family. You don't have to. Jesus Christ has accomplished the work for you when He died on the cross. You now, as part of God's family, have the invitation, the opportunity to grow in your spiritual maturity by listening to the Holy Spirit, remembering that you are indeed holy, and applying that into the decision-making of your life. Eventually, you start seeping fruit juice. What I mean by that is it's it's an allusion to one of the Scriptures. It's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You see, as you begin to mature, you begin to convey and show and display your holiness. And the way that holiness comes out is in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says this in Galatians 2. 22 through 23. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. When we listen to His whisper in our decision making, when He reminds us that we are God's family before we make a decision, we then see this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This means that when you walk into your workplace environment, this means that as you sit down with your kids, this means as you relate to your mom or your dad, or if you relate to a friend, when you relate in such a way that conveys and reveals your holiness, it comes out and looks like that. How awesome is that list? I mean, that's a pretty good list. Don't you want your life to be filled with and look like that? The Holy Spirit. Once we understand it as a person, once we see and know the Spirit's working and that that its goal and its joy is to make people holy, a part of God's family, and that, that He gives us these gifts, we begin to use those gifts... Use that calling and live our lives in every situation based on the Holy Spirit's claim. Every day when I was walking out the door, my mom and dad would say, Have a great day. Remember, you're a sir in the same way. In every situation you walk into, every day when you walk out your front door, Every day when you roll out of bed in the morning, the Holy Spirit is going to work to find ways to remind you you are holy. And as you listen to that, as you internalize that, as you apply that into your life, you will grow in maturity. Your life will begin to change you're going to make different types of decisions. It will begin to refine you. There's this process of maturity. is this process of refinement where the Holy Spirit refines us more and more clearly and we begin to convey and show the image of Jesus to other people. That is what the Holy Spirit does. I'm going to invite the band forward at this time. Guys, if you want to come on up. Uh, We're going to sing a song. We're going to spend time in in, uh, musical worship where we actually invite the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Where we invite His refinement, that maturity, that power to apply our holiness in our lives. An image from the Holy Spirit is fire. It comes out of the Bible as well, that the Holy Spirit is is associated with tongues of flame. And so it's it's this beautiful image. How fire refines and burns away impurities. How fire lights up and, and, and shows and reveals. In that same way, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, refining us showing and revealing the reality you are a holy, beloved child of God.